In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. When you read our text, you might ask, what is Jesus doing once again in a house full of his enemies? Perhaps that's the sort of dinner invitation he ought to turn down. You and I might turn that invitation down, but not Jesus. That's actually good news for you and I, because at one time, we were his enemies. Aren't you glad Jesus came to your house for dinner anyway? Jesus eats dinner with his enemies because he wants to save them. That's why he's here at the house of one of the chief rulers of the Pharisees. With this in mind, it shouldn't be hard to recognize that what Jesus has to say to his enemies is not about manners. It's not about how to get a good seat at the supper table. Jesus is talking about salvation. He's talking about entering heaven. Consider this. When you are invited to a wedding feast, What wedding feast is Jesus talking about? Not the dinner he's attending. That's not a wedding feast, it's a dinner. He's talking about the marriage feast of the Lamb that has no end. When you are invited to a wedding feast. And when does this invitation happen? Every moment of every day. God has been sending his messengers to invite every person, even his enemies, to his wedding feast since the beginning of time. Jesus really isn't too concerned about who sits where at the next social function. He's concerned about whether people get called up to a higher place or sent to the place of dishonor. In other words, We're talking about heaven or hell. Jesus looked around at all the guests who had been invited to the dinner party. He saw how they were choosing for themselves the places of honor. And he said to them, let me tell you about getting invited to the real banquet, the marriage supper of the lamb. First of all, everyone gets invited. God makes no distinctions, not between rich or poor, Jews or Gentiles, men or women, not even between big sinners and little sinners. The gospel is preached to all. Come, you are invited. But now what? Many people who are invited are squabbling about who gets to sit where. Hey, you're in my seat. What are you even doing here? This party isn't for wicked sinners. It's for good people like me. That, Jesus says, is not how you get into this banquet. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. What does this mean? How do people exalt themselves with regard to heaven? How might you try to exalt yourself? The Bible calls this pride. It is chief of the seven deadly sins. The prideful heart says within itself, I deserve this. I earned this. I have a right to be here, unlike some of these other people. 
Pride might say, my family built this church. My grandfather was a founding member. Pride might say, I'm not a sinner. My behavior in this matter has been impeccable. I don't need to repent for anything, ever. These statements are examples of what it means to take the higher seat. Now, I think I could speak for everyone here when I say I've never seen Lutherans fight about sitting in the front pew. That would be the day. Does that mean we're immune to choosing for ourselves the places of honor? Not at all. You could choose that place by saying to yourself, I'm the one who's right in this situation. She should apologize to me. I'm the only one who does any real work around here. If I want things done right, I'll have to do them myself. Now, these don't seem to be particularly deadly ways of thinking. And sometimes you might even be right to think them. But if left unchecked, these seeds of pride can grow up into something monstrous. How much destruction within the church is caused by well-meaning, self-righteous individuals who have become experts at recognizing the sins of everyone else but are incapable of hearing reproof themselves. Are you this person? Perhaps you might ask yourself, when is the last time I admitted that I was wrong? When have I last allowed myself to be corrected or instructed. If nothing comes to mind, perhaps you have been sitting in the seat of honor. Generally speaking, there are two kinds of relationships in this world. Your relationship with your neighbor and your relationship with God. The danger of making a habit of exalting yourself with your neighbor is that this can easily carry over to how you act toward God. Pride toward your neighbor might only cost you a friendship, but pride toward God has eternal consequences. No one who deserves to be at the heavenly banquet will end up at the table. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That's why Jesus says, he who humbles himself will be exalted. Don't take the higher seat. Instead, go sit in the lowest place. And what does this mean? How do people humble themselves with regard to heaven? How do you humble yourself? You can start by admitting the truth about yourself according to God's word. I I am a sinner, saved only by the grace of God. In fact, I used to be God's enemy, but he had mercy on me and changed my heart. I didn't choose him. He chose me. Then he brought me to the font, washed my sins away. And after that, when I fell back into sin, as I have done many times, He forgave me again and again, as he still continues to do to this day. 
I don't deserve mercy. I don't deserve forgiveness. I don't deserve heaven. And yet God has promised all these things to me and more simply because he loves me. This is what it means to humble yourself before God. And when you are humble toward God, it just might carry over to the relationship with your neighbor. It's hard to admit you're wrong if you've been counting on being right to get you into heaven. But when you recognize that heaven is the free gift of God, then it suddenly can become a whole lot easier to say to your neighbor, I'm sorry about what I said. I haven't behaved in a Christian manner. My words were unkind. My actions were unloving. Please forgive me. This is a good habit to practice. Why? Because every time you take the lower seat with your brother or sister, you are resisting that sinful pride that would try to take the higher seat with God. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now we can and should all be striving to be less prideful. Some days will turn out better than others, but aren't you glad that ultimately your salvation doesn't depend on how well you do this? The truth is that on some days your sinful nature will get the better of you. Humbling yourself is hard. Nobody likes to do it. And try as we might, the proud old Adam is always trying to rear his ugly head. If taking the lower seat is how we get into heaven, could anyone truly be sure of getting in? Everyone who exalts himself, well, that pretty much sums up the whole human race. That's what every sinful heart is trying to do. But he who humbles himself will be exalted. Notice that Jesus goes from everyone in the first verse to he in the second half. Who is this one who humbles himself? There is only one who did it perfectly, our Lord Jesus he did it in order to secure your place at the heavenly banquet. He did what no prideful son of Adam could ever truly do. He humbled himself even to death, death upon a cross. There is no lower seat than that. And Jesus took it gladly for you, even while you were still his enemy. And now God has raised him up to the highest place of all. Jesus, who became the lowest of the low, has been exalted to the right hand of God the Father. He is the heavenly bridegroom, and he now invites you to enter his wedding feast. Are you a sinner in need of grace and forgiveness? Have you been humbled by the Holy Spirit to admit that? Then Jesus says to you, friend, move on up higher. Enter into my marriage supper 
that has no end. In the name of Jesus, amen.